Hello and welcome to Cop Stuff 911. In this episode, we're going to talk about the murder case of Mandy Stivick. Uh, Mandy was a high school student. She was an honor student, made very good grades. She was very athletic. She played basketball, softball, and she also ran track. Now, this is going to be a little important later on. Um, she's very smart. She knew sign language. She could speak Japanese. Um, she uh, played three musical instruments. She played the flute, the clarinet, and the saxophone. In 1989, she graduated. She was 18 years old. Um, she went to, I forget the college, uh, Central Washington University. And, and something happened about halfway through her first semester. Um, decided maybe college wasn't for her. She didn't want to go anymore. So she moved back home to Clipper, Washington. So she graduated high school. She's 18 years old. She tried college for a little bit, and now she's moved back home. Well, on November the 24th of 1989, um, she was going for one of her um, runs, a jog, a, a daily run that she did. Now, normally her mom, Mary, went with her on these daily runs. She would ride her bike beside Mandy and, and um, be beside her, maybe talk or whatever, just Maybe that's Mary getting her exercise in and spending some quality time, maybe talking a little bit. But on this day, on the 24th, she did not go with Mandy. And the reason she didn't, this is um, Thanksgiving time and Mary's sister is, is at Mary's house uh, for, for Thanksgiving. I may have said Christmas, for Thanksgiving. And she wants to stay there and spend time with her sister. She doesn't see her a whole lot. So Mandy goes ahead and she goes on a run. She takes her, her dog, always goes with her. It's a German Shepherd named Kyra. Went with her, um, always used to like to go with her. Now, now Kyra is getting a little older in age, uh, but would still keep up and like to go on the run. Well, the, the route that she went, she left her house. She went, I think it was about maybe two miles not sure where I'm getting coming up with that two miles, but she, she runs down to the end of the road, which is um, close to Nooksack River. Then she would turn around and make the, the same route back to her house. Well, on this particular day, the 24th, her brother is actually at a friend's house that, that is part of this route that she runs. And I actually saw Mandy run by. So... The last that she was seen by anyone, she was about a half a mile from her house. And then no one saw her again. No one ever saw her again. About two hours later, the dog Kyra shows up at home. And Mandy's not with them. So everybody's starting to panic a little bit. Um, Mom calls, I believe it's the sheriff's department, and neighbors, friends, family, everyone. Okay, Mandy hasn't shown up. She should have been back. Something's happened. So they start searching the area for her. The fourth, two days later, the 26th of August, I mean of November, they still haven't found her. But they found a pair of green teal colored um, sweatpants. So everyone's thinking, okay, this could be a clue. This could be Mandy's. So they, they, they um, gather the evidence where you're supposed to. You, you photograph. Um, you take measurements. A lot of things that you have to do to gather the evidence. They gather the evidence. They take the evidence and show it to Mary, which is Mandy's mother. And Mary said, nope, those are not hers. 
they, they, she's never had any like those. Those were not hers. So they're still entered as evidence because you're still not 100% sure, but they're thinking, okay, this, this is not it. We haven't found anything yet. Let's just keep looking for, for clues or, or signs what we're looking for. So the next day would be the 27th of November. Mandy's body was found. It, it was in the Nooksack River. It was caught up in some debris. It was about six miles from her home. Now, that tells us a few things and, and doesn't tell us a lot of things. You know, if the, a, a body's put in a river, you know, it can travel miles and miles and miles and miles, just keep going. That it is found in debris sort of tells me a little bit that, yes, it had been traveling and then caught up in the debris the, the way items do floating down a river. So um, she was wearing, when they, when they found Mandy in the water, she was only wearing shoes and socks. She had nothing else on. Um, her clothing, and she always carried a Walkman. It's back 1989, Walkmans were a big thing. She always took the Walkman when she was running. Her clothes in the Walkman were never found, ever. Now that tells me that more than likely the killer had disposed of these items. Maybe the killer had kept these items as a souvenir, as a remembrance. I don't know, but they have never been found since. Now, of course, they did a, um, an autopsy on Mandy. And it revealed that she was sexually assaulted and that she died of asphyxia, which is strangling or suffocation. Um, there were no signs of struggle anywhere along, along the riverbank. And Mandy was a strong swimmer. She actually worked as a lifeguard. So she's a strong swimmer. And she had some wounds on, on the um, a, a actual big gash on the top of her head. So it tells me that she was probably struck in the head. That may have been actually what killed her. May have been what knocked her unconscious. We will never know. She also had a lot of scrapes and lacerations on her legs. Okay, now I, I want to go into this for a little bit. Because the cuts and lacerations looks like she had been running maybe through some brush or some briars, some thick, thick stuff. So we already know what I talked about earlier. She's an athlete. She runs track. Okay. She obviously does not have pants on at this time that she's running through and getting all these cuts. So that tells me that possibly, which, which all of this is just my opinion, okay? Tells me that possibly she was grabbed, taken somewhere right there close by. Her clothes were taken off. She still had her shoes and socks. Her clothes were taken off and she got away from, from this guy. She got away from him. She's running, okay? Now, now, she's an athlete. She's still got her shoes and socks on, so she can get it pretty good, right? She's, she's a runner. She's got the cut. She's running through some heavy stuff. Either the person who did this was very athletic and could also run good also, or maybe Mandy slipped and fell. Maybe she fell, and that's what the laceration was, and hit her head on something. So, And, and I never did hear if the sexual assault was before death or after death. I, I, I never read anything on that part. So they have a lot of scenarios here. Um, either a really good athlete and fast, the person who did it, or 
she's running through all this. She trips. She falls. She hits her head. The guy comes up. That's when he gets her and does what he so does. So the first person the police are going to look at is Mandy's boyfriend, Rick. Uh, they've been dating uh, on and off for like three years or so, something like that. So they go question him. You always go to the, the person closest, a spouse, a boyfriend, things such as that. And they go to him, they ask him. Um, he was very cooperative. He answered all their questions. I think he actually had an attaboy of where he was. He was totally cleared. He, he was cleared. Now, in, in 1989, DNA wasn't very used very much in law enforcement at this time. The FBI had their lab. They were doing some, but local departments really had, didn't even really know what it was and, and didn't have what we have today. So they, um, but they did uh, gather samples of DNA from Mandy and they also did f and from the unknown male source that was with Mandy. So, um, the case goes cold. I mean, there's nothing. They've talked to people. They have nothing whatsoever. So we forward to 2009. Um, they had an idea of to gather, at this time, DNA is a big thing, to gather as much DNA samples from um, the male subjects in her life at that point, um, other people with her own track, uh, neighbors, um, people at school, things such as that. So there's a lot of people that they can gather this DNA evidence from. So four years go by and they, and they send in dozens and dozens of DNA samples, but with no match. They, they have no match. Um, they, they don't have any idea, but somehow, and I couldn't, I couldn't read, I couldn't find out why, but somehow a new suspect uh, comes to light named Timothy Bass. Now in 1889, Bass lived just a few houses down from where Mandy lived. Actually, uh, his house, you would on her route that she would run, his house was on that route. So people knew him and said that he was sort of quiet, that he kept to himself, which is no big deal. I mean, I, I'm quiet and keep to myself. But, um, you know, didn't get around, didn't have a lot of friends, things such as that. And literally about a month after this murder, he moves away, I think, to Washington, um, and gets married. So he, he's completely left. Uh, we fast forward to 2003. Um, like I said, he, he actually moved to Washington. Well, police want to interview him. So they go up there and interview him. He, uh, Bass said that he did not know her, did not know Mandy, did not, had never heard of the murder, knew nothing about it. Okay. Small town. You know everything that goes on. If there's a murder, you know all about it. You know who they are. Uh, the girl uh, ran by his house almost daily. He has to know who she is. So this throws up all kinds of, of red flags for the investigators. They know this guy's lying. Um, and they ask him, said, uh, we would like to have a, a sample of your DNA so we can compare with this case. And Bass refused. He said, no, you're not getting my DNA which is his right, but I don't know about you, if someone is asking for DNA from me from a murder case, which I know I have absolutely nothing, anything to do with, I'm gonna give it to clear myself. But he has the right and he says no. Well, Bass, they found out, worked as a delivery driver for a baker outlet. Breads, um, cakes, things like, donuts, things such as that. So the police go 
to where he works and they talk to a lady named Kim Wagner and they say, well, hey, we want um, Bass's delivery route. We want to know the route he takes. We want to know that. So Kim says, uh, well, I'm going to have to ask corporate. So they ask corporate, and of course, corporate says, no, you have to have a subpoena or you have to have a search warrant. We don't give that information out, which is 100% their right to do so. Um, a few years go by, and in 2015, the police go back up to Washington, and they ask Bass again. Hey, man, we need your DNA. If you didn't have anything to do with this, to clear you from it. He refused a second time. So we'll go fast forward to 2017. Kim Wagner, remember the lady that worked where Bass works and wouldn't give, a corporate wouldn't let her give the information. Well, she found out that Bass lived a few houses down from Mandy. She found out that that's why the police were wanting to know his route because they think he's a prime suspect in Mandy's murder. So she has a change of heart. At this time, I think her, she has a daughter about the same age, about 18, really hits home, you know? So she's like, well, wait a minute, if he has something to do with this, we need to find out. So she, Kim, gave police the delivery route. So the police are, are doing their surveillance on Bass. Well, they found out he does not smoke, so they couldn't get any cigarettes, anything like that. He even wore gloves at work all the time, even while he's driving, while he's handing the bread, all of that. So that's out. Um, he even takes the, his own personal trash out of the truck, puts it in his car, and takes it to his house to dispose of it. He is the only employee that takes his clothes home and uh, launders them himself. When the company, if you leave them there, they will launder them for you. He's the only employee that did that. So this man is definitely hiding a lot of things, a lot of things. So Kim Wagner, she contacts the police and says, hey, I, I know y'all haven't done any good. You haven't been able to find anything. Uh, do you want me to watch him and see if I can get, her, get some evidence and, and, and gather something with his DNA? And the police, of course, said, no, that's illegal. We cannot ask a, a civilian to gather evidence. It won't be admissible in court. We can't do that. Well, on August the 10th of 2017, Wagner, Kim Wagner, observed Bass at, at, at work where he drank out of a plastic cup and also drank out of a Coke can and disposed of them there at work at the trash, and she's seeing them. So Wagner took it upon herself. She gathered the plastic cup. She gathered the Coke can, put them in a plastic bag, uh, folded it up, and put it in her desk until after work. Well, so Wagner... The, um, Wagner calls the police, says, hey, I gathered this. You didn't tell me to. I did it. Here it is. So they send it off to the crime lab. And lo and behold, Bass's DNA matches the, bat, the, the DNA that was found on Mandy. So December the 12th of 2017, Bass is arrested for first-degree murder of Mandy Stivett. So the police are interviewing him. Of course, when you arrest someone, you're interviewing him. And Bass said, um, again, he stuck to his same old story. I don't know the girl. I've never heard of the murder. So they know, okay, this guy's full of crap. He, he, he's not going to tell us anything. He's lying. But once he found out that they had somehow um, gathered his DNA, he sort of changed his, sub, he changed his story. He now is saying, okay, yes, I know her. 
I had a relationship with her. We had consensual sex on numerous occasions. Well, the police are suspicious of this. So they start interviewing. They start asking questions. No one had ever seen Bass and Mandy together. There was no phone calls, no letters. Um, Mary's mom, which which Mandy told um, Mandy's mom, Mary, which Mandy told her a lot of things, had never heard of him. There was no relationships. No one believed this story at all. But, of course, his defense attorney asked that the DNA evidence be suppressed because it was gathered by a civilian that the police told to, to gather the information. Well, Kim Wagner took the stand. She took the stand and she testified under oath. The police actually told her not to gather the evidence that it would be against the law. She did it as a civilian of her own accord that she wanted to try to help out. And she evidently gathered evidence properly and it was sent to the crowd lab. And the judge came back and said that the DNA evidence would be admissible and would be used in court because... Kim Wagner acted as civilian of her own behalf, not on behalf of the police. So we all know how powerful DNA evidence is. It, it, it's the standard. It, it, it's, it's golden. I mean, all juries believe DNA is correct, and, and it is. So May of 2019, uh, the, the trial begins for Bass for first-degree murder of Mandy Stivic. His whole defense was that he had consensual, consensual sex with Mandy. Also, what came out in court, Bass's wife, his mother, and his brother, Tom, all three testified on different occasions that Timothy Bass had asked them to lie about certain situations back when the murder take, took place. So he's totally hiding something. This all comes out in court. And on May the 24th of 2019, almost 30 years after Mandy was murdered, the jury found him guilty of first-degree murder. And Timothy Bass was sentenced to 27 years in prison. I want to thank you for listening to the podcast or watching the video. Uh, if you would, please subscribe to whatever you're watching or listening to. It really helps me out. You can go to copstuff911.com. There, the podcast is there. The videos are there. Everything you need is there. Also, please follow me on social media. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed this, please let your family and friends know. There's going to be a whole lot more of true crime uh, cases such as this, where I give sort of a police pers uh, perspective of what they're doing, why they're doing it, things such as that. Again, thank you so much for watching.